Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krauss explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. I have John Apino back with me today, and we were going to kind of talk about contracts that maybe go beyond a year and how you can start building in clauses and phrases to make that contract really benefit you over the, you know, a length of time. Hey, John, how are you doing? Hey, I am good. I'm good. It's good to see you again. You too. Um, And yeah, I mean, I love chatting with you and I love the frame of financial residency and everything that you guys do there to help physicians. As you know, it's our frame too at Contract Diagnostics is, you know, anything we can do to help. So I really enjoy these educational sessions and you know, talking about what physicians, whether of all you know, careers, whether you're starting out or you're established, you know, young or old, love the ability to help and provide good context. So I'm looking forward to doing some more of that today. I love that you're not in it just for the dollar. I really feel like your emphasis is trying to educate and train and teach physicians how to love their career again by making sure they build in all of these things, you know, in the beginning to... Yeah, make it sustainable. I have a huge passion for this. And, you know, I started the company 12 years ago. This is not about contract diagnostics, of course, but I started the company 12 years ago to help people. And I figured if we helped enough people that we'd be okay on money. And I honestly, we could make a whole lot more money, I think, here if we set the company up different and pitch people other things than just or sold data or something, you know, but (laughs) we don't care about that. We just want to help. And, you know, and and that's so we really love doing that stuff. So. I like to frame, I think we have a mutual goal in education and it's uh, so. one of my favorite things. I, Out of all the calls I had today for what people would call business development, most of them are about us giving free lectures and free talks. And, um, you know, one even asked us to fly somewhere and oh we're considering gosh. it, even though there's no reimbursement for the trip, it's just money out of our pocket. Wow. I'm looking at flights and oh my goodness, flights are so expensive, you know, and <laughs> I'm reading about, I'm reading about Southwest Airlines and how they can't get planes delivered from Boeing and they're trying to bake in. You know, all these things and they're not even going to have things delivered till 2024, 2025. They're oh down to from whatever, I think 4,000 flights a day to 3,000. So just as corporations plan for the future, right? What does the next two years look like? Three years look like? When are we going to get our planes to increase more flights? I think it's a good thing for physicians to think about their contracts, right? What does the contract look like today? Does it stay the same for five years? Should it be any different? And so I'm looking forward to touching on contract changes over time and everything like that today in our session. Well, let's start with the big elephant in the room. You cannot turn on the news. You can't go to the gas station without seeing the effects of inflation. So what about building a contract that maybe takes into account, you know, cost of living adjustments? Is that a possibility? Absolutely. You know, most contracts that we see are anywhere from two or three years. Now, they might be evergreen contracts, meaning they automatically renew. So it might say the contracts for 24 months or 36 months and then automatically renews thereafter for additional one year or two year terms. It might say it's two years and it ends or three years and it ends. But regardless, most term lengths, if you will, are two or three years. Some are five. 
We have seen 10, but when we see no cause terminations in contracts, it's not like it's a guaranteed job for 10 years or guaranteed payouts for 10 years because they could terminate you or you could terminate them. So the length of the contract maybe isn't as important depending on it could be tied to vesting of tail insurance or you know repayment of a signing bonus or you know when you become a partner so those things can be important but the term length can be important as you're looking to the future right why would they offer you one year versus two years versus five years so i think it's important to think through you know if they offer you a flat salary contract for five years is that acceptable you know I personally would like to have, you know, baked in increases. So as any employee sticks around with any organization, whether you're a salesperson or you're making espressos at a coffee shop or whether you're a physician, your production goes up, your understanding of the organization goes up, your camaraderie, your partners and your fellow physicians or PAs gets stronger. I think that that's worth something over time because, of course, expensive to replace physicians. So as employers need to pay 100, some estimates 180, some estimates a quarter million dollars to replace a physician, I think it's worthwhile to bake in some metrics over the term of a contract that rewards and incentivizes the physician for sticking a couple of ideas on what those would be is you mentioned inflation. So having a salary that goes up, right? If you're worth 300 this year, you're probably going to be worth 325 next year and 350 in year three. So let's not accept a salary of $300,000 for years one, two, and three. Let's put a, let's put some extra numbers in there for years two and three. Um, if there's a bonus in place, maybe the threshold goes up accordingly. I don't know. Maybe they say the bonus only kicks in after the initial term. Well, maybe that's something we want to now negotiate the initial term from three years to two years or to one year. You know, so if we're talking about how you should look at a contract over time and we just focus on one thing for now, we look at compensation, obviously increasing the salary over time. So 300, 325, 350 or 300, 310, 320, whatever the numbers look like, but having some kind of progression. So, you know, they're valuing your experience as you go through. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you do leave, you have a higher salary when you left than when you started, meaning maybe your next employer will offer you something better. But okay. also understanding what's tied to the term, like, do we need to have additional, do we need to change the term length so I can get a bonus quicker? You know, so I mean, there's lots of, and of course, a shorter term length might mean a shorter period to pay off a signing bonus or a relocation amount if you're tied to employment at the organization for a certain time frame. So, you know, length of the term can matter. And that's also, I think, tied directly into how do we look at a contract at a job one year, two years, or three years in. So I think those are some of the things that one can consider from a financial perspective, as far as, you know, looking at the contract over their first few years. And talking about, you know, maintaining a contract that's beneficial over the term of the contract, what about things that are ancillary, vacation time, CME time, yeah. those kind of things, just trying to keep it, you know, again, something that's going to make you enjoy that job over time. How do you go about doing yeah. some of those things? Absolutely. So oftentimes we'll even see, um, we've helped physicians negotiate a increase to the base compensation or a one-time bonus when the physician becomes board certified. So, you know, maybe if, you know, if the contract might say the physician has to be board certified within two years and I might come back and say, great, if I do that, then I'll have a $20,000 bump in my base pay. Maybe they say, look, we can't offer you an additional pay. It's just 300 John for two years or three years. 
I'll say, okay, well, how about a bump in pay when I reach board certification? Or maybe not a bump in base pay, but just a one-time bonus of 10 grand or 20 grand. Maybe they'll go for that. So, you know, and obviously if they give you CME money, does this roll over from year to year? You know, can you use it for a research? Can you use it for board review courses? Or is it just strictly conference CME money? So they should know how that plays into account. Maybe it doesn't roll over and it's 3,000 bucks a year. You don't think you're going to use 3,000 or we saw one today. It was 6,000, good budget. You know, so if you can't use or don't use 6,000, if it goes poof and you don't, you lose it, maybe you negotiate, it rolls in over time or you get paid out in cash, the difference at the end of the year. So that's another thing from a benefits perspective that you can think about either rolling the CME from year to year that's unused or paid out at the end of the year. You can obviously have an increasing CME amount if you feel you need more. You know, I, from my knowledge, a position requires the same CME every year, every other year. And, you know, even though conferences and, you know, airfare may go up, most of the time we see those budgets remain the same per hospital policy. But I think that can be a great ask. Other benefits, usually like things like health insurance, um, you know, disability, life insurance, retirement plans, those things are fairly non-negotiable, but vacation time might be negotiable. One of the contracts we looked at today for a surgeon had 30 days off of, for time in, in year one and 40 days off in year two. So there was a nice bump, right? And so again, depending on your situation, you may ask for increases in time off over the years. So maybe it's, you know, maybe they won't come off the three or four weeks in year one, but they'll go up in years two or in year three. Again, you may, every contract is different. So if you're on a production pay by then, um, you might obviously you might make less money because you're taking more time off and not producing as many RVUs. So it's important to realize how having that extra week or two could impact your pay as well. I also think if there's, you know, maybe promises on staffing, you know, as far as like, look, call is going to be one in three, but we're going to hire somebody within a year. I think that could be baked into the contract, right? Calls one in three for no greater than one year time frame at the end of a year. Any additional calls shall be paid at this particular rate. So I think we can kind of look forward and see if you don't hire somebody you know, your verbal promise is one thing, but if you don't hire someone and I'm actually taking more than one in three call or one in four call, if you promise to have a fourth there in a year, I want to get paid for that extra call that I'm taking that I did expect to take. And of course, you know, we do see a lot of people going to part-time. And so a part-time or flexible schedule is something that a physician would like. An employer may not have that available option currently, but having that baked into the contract or an expectation with, you know, if you're if you're able to deliver the median RVUs, you can work four days a week. You know, if they say you just can't work four days at 0.8, maybe you can work full time 1.0 and work four days a week, so long as you're maintaining a certain threshold by a defined time frame in the contract, which might be, you know, year two or years three or whatever it is. So I think there's a lot of things that we can bake into a contract over the term length, and those are just some of the things that we would think about, maybe non compensation wise in terms of benefits like you know like 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 going part-time or the amount of cme you have and if it rolls over the amount of vacation time that you have i think those are all really important things from a non-monetary perspective that a physician could keep in mind over the years as well now if you have someone that has leadership aspiration whether they're just coming out of residency and maybe they plan on getting their mba and moving into leadership or yeah. maybe they're renegotiating an existing contract 
how do you try and counsel someone to go from, you know, 100% clinical contract to maybe some portion of clinical with administrative time? And that might be too big of a question, but... Not at all. I think it's a great question. And I think it all comes down to that initial due diligence. So maybe a physician, you know, when they're going through their contract, they're fresh out of training and they don't feel like asking about a leadership position or a medical directorship position is warranted because they feel I'm unqualified for it or there's already somebody in that role. I'm not even going to ask. I do think that can be a great part of the due diligence of any position. How are medical directors chosen? What are the metrics that you would look for before you took somebody off of full-time clinical and offered them more of an administrative role? Or would you keep me at a 1.0 full-time clinical position and add on the hours? So I'm still working my 40 hours of patient care. I'm just working additional 10 hours per week or per month, and I'm tracking it on a timesheet being paid per hour. So my clinical is the same. It's extra. I do think those things are all great questions to lead in. They may not put in a contract on year two, you will be X, but they might be willing to talk to you of, you know, the expectations that they have of those leaders in the organization, how those roles are defined, if they're paid, if they're not paid, if they take away from your clinical activities. So we're kind of getting away now from what would be maybe considered contract changes or negotiations and contracts to that due diligence which as you know here, one of our passion is educating physicians around that due diligence. It's not all about asking for more compensation or for tail insurance or a change to the non-compete. It's about understanding and doing due diligence. And I think those questions around medical directorships, uh, the future, how they assign them, if they're paying, if they're not paying, does it detract from clinical time or is it additional too? I think those are all great questions that a physician can ask near term for while they're doing their due diligence for the contract. In the scenario of that person coming out of residency, is it usually possible to try and negotiate in an employer to maybe pay for that MBA if they are wanting to move into that role? Absolutely. Some employers have like some kind of tuition reimbursement program at the facility. Most don't have it in their agreements, but I definitely think that's a great point on something that you can discuss with them if they do have that or if they don't, if they're willing to put one in place. Or if they're just willing to make an exception for you, knowing that you have other aspirations. I haven't seen it in a physician contract, but I know when I did my MBA, some folks had their companies pay for them. And when their company was paying for their MBA, they you could just get the MBA and then leave the next year. You had to, if they paid all the money for your MBA, they wanted to get the benefit of you and sure. your extra training there at the organization. So you had to stay there for at least a year or two or three, depending on the structure, or you have to repay a percent of whatever they paid for your tuition. So I haven't seen that in a physician agreement, but uh, you know, I definitely think it's important to define how they would approve those things. If it's a policy that they would have or be willing to change, or if they'd be willing just to do like a one-off and approve it for you and your particular craft and you know, whatever passion you had in the future of providing additional services to the facility. All of these things seem easier if you're signing a new contract, moving into a new position. But what if you have someone who already has an existing contract? Do you ever have anyone come to you and try and help you renegotiate a contract they signed, whatever, two years, five years ago, to try and build in some of those things to keep the job sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. You know, first off, we encourage all physicians to reach out to somebody, us or somebody every other year, every third year to get compensation data. Not going to doximetry and looking at what people put in, not looking at Medscape, but 
getting actual formal data, you know, MGMA, Sullivan Cotter, AMGA, or you know, we have our internal database here, which is live. So there's not that there's not that one to one and a half year delay that there is with those big data sets. Ours is raw. So if you want to know, we did you know five surgeon contracts today. Here's what we're seeing. Right, so many of them are in this state. So many of them are in this state. You look back in a month, and we know what hospitalists are making in Chicago because we've done multiple deals of hospitalists in Chicago, versus we're looking at a data that was captured a year and a half ago when we were coming off of a pandemic. So make sure that everyone understands how they're paid and get data. And I think that you can definitely raise your hand and talk about that at any time, whether your term is in the middle, it's a three-year contract, you've been there for one year and a half, or whether it's coming up at the end of your term. I think, you know, depending on your situation and your frame with the, the employer and your the status in the community, you may want to say, look, I know you do a year-to-year contract. I don't want to renegotiate every year. Let's sign a five-year contract. And here's what it could look like over five years. I want you know, a bump in my pay over the five years. And you know, I want to average this amount of money. So maybe your one's a little shy, your five's a little rich, but you're averaging what you think you could. Maybe there's retention bonuses. Maybe there's retention bonuses that go up. So for every year you've been there, you get an extra grand. So 10 grand year one, or maybe year, if you're four, if you've been there for three, 10 grand year four, 11 grand year five you know, 12 grand, year six, and it just kind of continues as you stay as a retention payment. So, you know, and obviously compensation structures, vacation, all that stuff applies like we just got done talking about. And I think that the established physician would definitely benefit from having maybe a different type of structure, but still having some of those same things baked into the contract as it goes through, because nobody wants to negotiate a contract every single year, you know, and nobody wants to sign a three-year contract with no changes and have it automatically renew. And we talked to far too many physicians who have, you know, they signed a two or three year automatically renewing contract. And what happens at the end of the two or three year term, it automatically renews at the same terms. And then after the next year or the next two or three year term, depending on how it's worded, what happens? The same Automatically terms. renews. <laughs> automatically. And then all of a sudden it's seven years, Tammy. It's eight years. It's nine years that have gone by. And where are they at? They're at the same place that they were when they started because the contract's automatically renewing and they haven't raised their hand because they feel that they shouldn't. They don't know how. Maybe they think they're compensated fairly. Maybe they have no complaints. They like the job. They don't want to ruffle feathers. Fill in the blank. But I don't like that. I like it. Even if a physician calls and we do a compensation review for them and we say, look, we think you're paid great. Good job. You know, we can still provide some guidance on what the other things that they could ask for, maybe not compensation-wise, but other things. But I still think it's good to know that you are paid fairly. And for a couple hundred bucks, we can tell you and provide data. But, you know, I do think that that's something that every physician should keep in mind over their course of their career. If they're at the same exact job for 30 years, even if they're a partner in the group, right? Look, I'm a partner. I make the rules. But are you guys providing, you're getting what percent of collections and how your payer mix and how are you compensated? Or the PSA with the hospital pays you this much per call and this much per RVU. Is it reasonable? Is it fair? Just because you're in a different situation doesn't mean that you still shouldn't have these baked in things over time. And so, yeah, whether they're a new physician starting out signing a one, two, three or longer deal, or whether they've been out three years or 20 years and they're re-signing or they're just sitting in a position that they've got no problems with and they just want to understand. I think it's something that they should always consider and look at. And then of course, not having to 
I mean, of course, we love to talk to physicians every day, but not having to call us every single year, you know, I think it's very important to have certain things baked in. So you don't have to do it every year because no physician, I don't think, wants to have that process every year to go through, sit down with the employer, negotiate it, have everything reviewed, or maybe you look at it yourself and, you know, they don't want it at every year. It's nice to have a linear progression that you know what to expect and you don't have to do it every year but I would want everyone to think about it and look at it every second or third year for sure, even if you have pending increases, but more especially if you don't have them in there. It should be a process that's done much more, much, much more frequently if that's the case. Is it possible to move from an evergreen contract into a termed contract? I assume that's probably yeah. based no, on I think anything's, I think anything's possible. I would say if it's a termed contract, meaning the contract's three years and it ends, I would want to define timeline in there. So, you know, it's 36 months. On month 32, the hospital will come to the physician and say, here's our next proposal. Or we're not going to make a proposal. What I don't want in that situation is the contract ends. Hospital didn't say anything. Now what? They're going to keep paying you? Are you out of contract? Is the non-compete live? Is it not live? Is your mouth? I don't know how that whole thing is worded. Obviously, it matters how the contract is structured, but not having it, not having a dedicated timeline in there, or say on this day we're going to talk about X and Y, I think is a, is a is not a good thing to have. So I'm fine with contracts that say starting July 1st of 2023, ending June 30th of 2026. But then it makes sense, and what we've seen in other contracts is when it says. You know, no less than 120 days prior to the end of the term, the employer shall offer a contract, start the renegotiation phase, meet with the physician, et cetera. Because what I wouldn't want is nothing happens. Like we just said, there's a situation, what, what goes on? Or they come to you two weeks before this ends and they say, hey, Tammy, sorry, this is late. We've been working things out with our lawyers. Are, we're able to renew you, but it's at the same rate or it's at a lower rate. Or good news, we're going to give you a raise, it's 2%. And either way, either one, you're unhappy. Now what do you do? You got two weeks. You have a job lined up. You know it takes, I mean, you and I both know it takes a long time to sure. find a good job, interview, get credential, get a contract, negotiate it. I mean, yada, yada, yada. You're talking months and months. And you don't want to be out of work or pay for a month. So do you go get locums? Do you leave the job at the end of the term? Do you sign a new agreement? Again, what does it say for termination and tail and all that stuff? So a lot of hassle can become on an evergreen contract that becomes a termed contract or a termed contract from the, but that's probably a time for a different show, but I would definitely want something that says if it's a termed contract that on its dedicated time, there's a particular time frame that the employer would come and talk to the physician about the next steps for sure. Well, anything? We're okay. kind of going through the future already. You know, I mean, even if it's like, as we've talked about, like, what do you do over a two-year or three-year contract? Well, you try to increase pay. You try to get more vacation time. You try to talk to them about going part-time if you want. You also, if it's a term contract, you make sure that there's a dedicated timeline in there that they'll, they will offer you another deal or inform me that they're not going to. If it's a partnership deal, same thing, right? We did a partnership deal today in Iowa. And in this contract, it said didn't say anything about partnership. And most of the time, we'll see something a little vague. It says partnership may or may not be offered after the initial term. Well, again, now we've got that. Well, here's what happens up to this date. And then here's what may happen after this date, but we have no timeline. 
So again, how can we look forward in a contract and predict just like we want for cost of living adjustments or base you know, salary increases or any or vacation time increases, having a dedicated timeline in there on the ninth month or on the 20th month, the employer shall meet with the position and discuss partnership. No guarantees, but they'll at least discuss it. It at least gives you a dedicated time to sit down with them and have a conversation. So I like having language like that as well. And again, something that we can put in place to predict the next couple of years. I think that's a good way to look at the future couple of years of the contract. John, you're always such a wealth of information. Anything we haven't touched on today that uh, maybe we should have? I'm sure there is, but you know, <laughs> I think we were good on this one at least, but I know we've got podcasts coming up all the time. So, you know, I, I know we've talked about encouraging everyone to email in their questions. If they have Absolutely. any or podcast topics, you know, you know, we've got a laundry list of things that we have on our list yet to educate everybody about, but of course we love, you know, Q and A shows. So if there's ever questions that the financial residency crowd has, I encourage you to send them into FR. And definitely we'd love, we can do a Q&A session or if there's just a topic for a whole 20 or 30 or 40 minute podcast, we can obviously focus on that particular topic as well. So that sounds good. Well, I'll just invite everybody now. If you have an idea for a, con a show on contract diagnostics, you can always email me at Tammy, T-A-I at financialresidency.com and I will pass any information on to John. And John, how does someone get in touch with you if they yeah, want to get some contracts like that? Go to the internet, you know, we're contract diagnostics, you know, it's easy to find us. People know how to spell contract. People know how to spell <laughs> diagnostic, you know, as physicians anyways. Maybe other people can't spell diagnostics, but it's pretty easy for medical professionals. So <laughs> they can find us online. Of course, we've got 15-minute free consults. We've got free educational talks. We have one coming up November 2nd, I think it is. And right. so Dr. Catherine will be there. I'll be there. It's going to be awesome. We'd love to have anybody on a free educational lecture. We don't talk about the company at all. We don't talk about reviews or packages or pricing here. It's all unbranded content. It's so cool. So hopefully we get a bunch of people from FR to join us for that. We're here to help with whatever they need. If it's a contract review, if it's a compensation review, if it's just an ear for 15 minutes to hear them out and what if we can help them or what they should do. If it's free lectures, if it's downloads of great resources, if it's you know reading our blog or looking at all kinds of videos just like this, it's all on our website and they can easily find us all over the internet. So we'll be here to help with whatever they need. Well, John, thanks again for being on the show. And I would invite yeah, everyone to absolutely. listen to your podcast, Coffee and Contracts, that comes on every week. And thanks, fun. thanks yes, to everyone for fun. tuning in. Absolutely. Gosh, your contact or content has just covered everything. You've been so informative. I really enjoy listening to those every week. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to keep new episodes coming out as new data comes out. You know, we're always getting all kinds of, we have all these Google alerts that pop us, you know, if something changes with cardiology or something changes with. GME or having changes with something. We always have all these things that ping us. And so we get a lot of good ideas that we could give for coffee and contracts with that as well. So I don't think we'll run out of content anytime soon. Good deal. Well, thanks to everyone for tuning in again this week to Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. We'll see you again next week.